but it is tiny. Dragons don't do well with lawsuits. He couldn't look me in the eyes. Oh, God. Oh, that's funny. Who's a little celebrity? Oh, now the dragon's afraid of offending people. <laughs> yeah. Hi, and welcome to Don't Sweat It, the show inside a sauna. I'm Jen Kramer, here with my awesome co-host, Andre Jik. What's up? And the one and only Piff, the magic dragon. Hello. Piff, welcome to the sauna. Well, thank you for having me. Thank I'm so excited. I, I have a special feeling that uh, you have a power, superpowers that uh, protect us from the heat. Yeah, you've had to desaunify the place, unfortunately. <laughs> this is true. Because dragons uh, get soggy in the in the humidity. Yes. And we can't. We lose our ability to move. We don't want a soggy dragon. No, no, no. soggy dragons. So instead, <laughs> we're now sitting in a sauna with no sawn. <laughs> it's a sawn off. A sawn off. <laughs> yeah. Well, Piff, thank you for coming on and. Uh, for my audience who doesn't know who you are, I think everyone here in Vegas knows who you are. You're a rock star here. You have your own show. But tell us, <laughs> one of your things that you say is that you're the AGT's loser. And uh, <laughs> Well, what happened is I wanted, you know, I came to Vegas in 2013, right? And I loved it. So I was like, I want to stay here forever. How do I do that? I need to find, I need to get people to like know who Piff the Magic Dragon is. And I saw these billboards for Terry Fater. And it was like, Terry Fater, the winner of America's Got Talent. And I was like, God, it'll be really funny to have Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent, on a billboard. So I went on America's Got Talent, and they were like, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to get to the finals, and I'm going to go there in flames, and then I'm going to get my own show in Las Vegas called Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. And they were like, but seriously, what are you going to do? <laughs> I was like, no, that's what I'm going to do. And so uh, I had this plan to get to the finals and shoot Mr. Pilbers out of a cannon. Mr. Pilvers is my magic performing chihuahua. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to win if I shoot a dog out of a cannon on live national television. Sure. So I get to the finals. They're like, what are you going to do for the finals? And I say, I'm going to shoot Mr. Pilvers out of a cannon. And they said, well, that was a stupid idea because you won't win. And I said, I know. Do you remember when I said I didn't want to win? <laughs> I wanted to be the loser of America's Got Talent. So I did it down in flames. The very next day, we landed a show at the Flamingo. And we've been there seven years now. And like a month later, the billboard went up. Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. That's so incredible, man. And and they, there was no pushback for, for losing intentionally. From AGT people? Yeah. yeah, they just rolled their eyes and were like, good luck, buddy. Really? <laughs> and and it worked got, out. They're, wow. they're very busy. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. They've got better things to worry about than a stupid dragon's plan. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, just you do you, buddy. As long as you show up on time, we don't really care. Now, wow. for getting, I guess, second place, is that accurate to say? Do you... No, I didn't come anywhere like, in the bottom five. Oh, geez. Yeah, okay. don't shoot a dog out of a cannon. <laughs> if you want to win these things, don't shoot a dog out of a cannon. It's a terrible idea. Well, that's fair. I mean, well... literally, they spent the whole season falling in love with Mr. Piffles. And what do I do? Shoot that thing out of a cannon. Right. <laughs> and then he died. By the way, he died. Well, like he does he, not really, but we did a bit where like <laughs> we have a robot Mr. Piffles, so we shot him out of a cannon, and then the robot Mr. Piffles walks out and like falls over and and dies. One of my favorite bits that you do with him is you bring out a squeaky toy, and you're like, "Look how excited he is! Yeah, He's nothing. going crazy! <laughs> just get nothing from him." Just like... People always say like, "How did you train him?" I didn't train him. Really? He came like that. He was he he was a rescue dog originally. He's about a year and when I he was about a year and eight months when I had him. And um, I was doing my first show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is like, which is like a big, big comedy festival in the UK. And that's like how I came up in the UK. I kept doing this Edinburgh Fringe every year. And uh, the first year, I was like, you know, I think I need a gimmick. Like being a drag is not enough. Doing magic's not enough. I need something else. And the girl who was running the venue, she had a chihuahua. And I was like, hmm, uh, why don't we try putting the chihuahua in the show? My publicist said, you should do this in one of your tricks. So we tried it and it was a big hit. And the next day I was like, I'm going to go and get a chihuahua. And so this girl who was running the venue, she was like, okay, let's like look on the internet. And we found Mr. Piffles uh, in Dundee in Scotland. And we got him and he was just this wreck. His, his hair was all like matted. He had all this like gunk around his eyes. His teeth were bad. He like barked at children. Aww. He was a nightmare. So uh, we put him in the show the next day and uh, in the show, it was quite funny. He didn't have to do much. He only did like 30 seconds or sure. a minute, but it was quite funny. And then over the next 
sort of like six months, he slowly went from this like pathetic, like uh, broken little creature. And, you know, I took him to the vets and I got his teeth done and I like got him on like good food and like, you know, took him on walks Pampered, all the time. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, exactly, got him groomed. And suddenly he just turned into this show business legend. And he started developing his own comedy, comedy timing. Because at the beginning, when I, you know, like, I would do these, I would do all these jokes with him, like, like you say, like a squeaky toy. And at the beginning, he'd be like looking where the squeaky toy is. And then slowly, he just started ignoring it. And he just started ignoring everything I did. And just like had this amazing deadpan. And he's had that ever since. That's my favorite part. Yeah. He just doesn't care. He just doesn't care. You can do anything to him. Shoot him out of a cannon. No problem. <laughs> he's such a professional. What a, what a, what a pro. You're right. Yes. What, what was the inspiration behind the costume? Because I, I remember you were talking about it in one of your podcasts. And you, you said that before you were the dragon, you had this kind of resting grumpy face. Right. Well, I and... still have it. I mean, look. <laughs> And this you... is me doing nothing. Exhibit A. That's true. We do a meet and greet after the show. Yeah. You know, for anyone who wants to, they can hang out after us, take a picture with us. And all the time they're like, hey, would you smile, buddy? And I'm like, I'm beaming. <laughs> I'm doing my best. This is the happiest that I'm ever smiling been. on the inside. Yeah. It's just like it just doesn't translate to my face. That's so funny. And in our meet and greets, people say I have resting smiley face. Like this is true. Even if I you have met your opposite. Somehow I would just <laughs> really? be all smiley. This is true. Like Jen only has one resting face. It's always smiles. So resting grumpy face <laughs> in a human form. That was a real problem. Didn't have the same effect. All of a sudden, in oh. a dragon form, resting grumpy well, face was hilarious. It definitely had an effect because I was a full-time magician and I was doing these gigs and like working like bars and restaurants and weddings and, you know, and people would come up to me all the time. They were like, what is your problem? This guy came up to me at a wedding. He was like, what is your problem? You're like the Eeyore of magic. <laughs> Eeyore and, of magic. And then he fired me because he was the groom. So no more wedding. So I was like, this is bad guys because this is my job. And I couldn't do anything about my face. And then one day... My friend had a costume party, and I said to my sister, do you have anything to wear? She said, yeah, I've got a dragon outfit under my bed. Who? Why? I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, if it was your sister, you wouldn't want to know either. That's true. <laughs> You're like, I did that's not true. ask for the Some things you just that's, accept. That's you go, oh, good to know. All right. <laughs> okay. I said, great, I'll wear that. So I walked across London in a dragon outfit. Got to this party, and it was a Christmas party, so I painted my nose red and had antlers, and I was like a rain dragon. So it wasn't like a traditional dragon. So I get to this party. I walk in the door. No one is in costume. Just me. <laughs> on my own. Okay. Everyone else wearing regular clothes. <laughs> and even my friend who was the host. I was like, what happened? She was like, yeah, well, no one turned up in costume. So I changed. Aww. I'm like, and you didn't tell me? She's like, mm, no. So the whole party, I'm in this dragon outfit. And now I'm appropriately grumpy. Now I'm like pissed. <laughs> Because I'm like the only one. Sure. And all these people are coming up to me going, what are you supposed to be? And I'm like, I'm a, what? I'm a rain dragon. What? You're supposed to be in costume. Why is it about me? <laughs> and so I was like, appropriate, you know, getting more and more grumpy, drinking red wine in the corner. Sure. And my friend came into the party who um, knew that I did magic. And she said, you know, you've got to do this in your act. You could be Puff the Magic Dragon. And I said, like, wait, I could be Piff the Magic Dragon. You might have heard of my older brother. Steve. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's funny. Love that. And it took me six months to work up the guts to try it. But as soon as I did, like, I stepped on stage and I was like, this is the future. Do you remember the first time you were paid as Piff the Magic Dragon and hired? Oh, the first time I got paid. I don't remember the exact first time. Because, like, on, you know, in comedy clubs in the UK, you basically, like, do a bunch right. for free. Mm -hmm. And then eventually someone gives you like $20. An offer, a contract, or an no, invitation. No, no, no. They $20. give you $20. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not kidding. Okay. It's $20. Okay. So that doesn't really count, does it? Not kind of. Yeah. But I remember like, the I, re I remember doing one gig uh, for a restaurant called Circus and they had me going around doing close-up magic at this restaurant, you know, as regular me in a suit. And I just kind of got, I just got to the point where I was done with it. And I was like, you know what, guys? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this gig. I said I would. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. And the woman who was booking it was like, well, can you just do it? Like, because she knew that I was like doing these like stand-up gigs and doing it as Piff. She was like, can you just do it as Piff? Because I can't like uh, find another magician this quickly. 
And I was like, all right, but nobody will like it. Because I was like, on stage, it's funny because like, you have that distance. Sure. Mm -hmm. But like walking out to people and like being a dick to their face, that was like another level. Right. And I tried it and it was this massive hit immediately. And it was so, it was such a hit that they fired every single other performer from these weekend brunches and they renamed it Brunch Time Epiphanies. What? That's And it incredible. became this like regular gig. And that was when I was like, oh man, this is like, this is really working out. Was that the moment everything sort of changed for you? Or what was Around that, that time for sure. Because I was like, because before like, you know, close-up magic, there's this sort of joke with close-up magicians that the idea is to try and like avoid working as much as possible. Right. It's like to hide in the toilet of these corporate events <laughs> sure. so that you don't have to like do card tricks for people who don't care. Yes. But I was doing these gigs and people were coming up to me and they were going, what, what, are you, what are you doing here? And I'd be like, it's not for you. <laughs> you don't want to know. You know, so I'd have people begging me to perform and I'd spent 10 years, you know, interrupting people for a living, begging them to show sure. cards, feeling awful about it. Right. Because, you know, you're, you're interrupting these people who've, you know, like this is the first time they, all they want to do no, is to come I, out for I a can nice relate dinner. I can relate I, right. I used to do walk around at the win for like yeah. their executive corporate I used to hate coming up to those people because I could tell they want nothing to do with me and I'm just like hey, could you do you want to see some magic and they're like no well, go I away we can all relate right. to this all magicians in this auto, we've all had that experience of approaching groups yeah. and I think you know you get more comfortable with it over time but still it's that terrifying always I mean, the performing part can be fun, but the approaching part can well, be here's really the thing. challenging. Yeah. Best case, best case, you're looking for a, a group of people who are stuck together and they've run out of things to say. That's the best case. Right. Because otherwise they have no need for you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but even in that best case, they are not the people who want to see magic. They just don't want to be there. Mm. So like you go up to these people and you're like, oh, good evening. And they're just like, oh, God, that might not have got worse somehow. So suddenly like people come out to me I'm saying, you know, like, do something. And I was, like, doing... You know, because I still had 10 years of skills from, like, being a magician. So I spent all that time, like, learning it. Normally in comedy, when you when you go on as an open spot, that's the first time you're taking the stage. So I had, like, 10 years behind me, so it all clicked very quickly. And, um, and, and, it, and then it was just, like, a joy to perform. I loved it. So can we go through the chronology? Because I know Penn & Teller Fool Us was yeah. a big moment for you. That was big. It was for me too. So I love Penn & Teller, love the whole Fool Us team. And then AGT was huge for I, you I as just well, so. realized I'm the only person here who's never been on Fool Like I'm the failure here. Two out of three people in this okay, room have been on AGT. To, now what have you, what have you been on, Andre? Have you been on Nothing. America's Up <laughs> <Tavern? laughs> No. Penn and Teller Fallers. <laughs> no. Good I've been news. there as an audience member. What? I've been there as an audience member. Doesn't count. That's true. <laughs> I, I've been on Steve Harvey once. Okay. That's, that's not nothing. That's not something. That's, that's cool. something. I did Now You See Me Too as a consultant with... Uh, that doesn't count. What? We're talking front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I was almost on Ellen like three times. Oh, who times. hasn't almost been I on know. Ellen? <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> so, so my Ellen story is they they reached out to me. And they're like, oh, we love your cardistry because I do card manipulation yeah. stuff. And they're like, oh, we love it. It'd be cool if you came on the show. And I was like, great. I have this thing where I could teach Ellen how to do cardistry. They're like, no, no, we don't want any of that. Here's what you got to do. Do a magic trick. Do this one. I'm like, I don't do that, though. Right. <laughs> they're like, but that's what we want. I'm like, well, yeah. why do you? And this happened three times. Oh, TV's tough. Yeah. By the way, there's nothing worse than committing to something like that and then suddenly realize, suddenly having like full realization it's going to be awful. Yeah. There's nothing you could do to save it and the camera's rolling and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> why did I say yes to this? Have you ever had any moments where you bombed something, whether it was in your show or in your private, it was like horribly bad and you didn't know how to recover? Oh, all the time. Really? All the time. But I With Piff, I got very lucky because... Um, and this is why comedians hate magicians. Because magicians, they have an end of a trick. You know, they always have that like ta-da moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas comedians, they have to get a laugh to end. Sure. So if the gig's going badly and they're bombing, they may not be able to get a laugh and they just have to give up and leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the worst gig I ever did as Piff, I got 10 minutes of silence <laughs> and you know, I got to the end and um, you know, I had this really cool trick and I said, all right, what's your card? And there was this huge fireball and their card appeared. And the whole audience said, oh, that was amazing. They've forgotten about the previous 10 right. minutes of death. Mm. Right. So with magic, you get lucky. Like it's easy, you know, it's very difficult to really bomb if That's you get true. the trick right. 
That's a good point. And especially if there are so many different ways to get to a successful conclusion with the trick. Exactly. And when you've got the comedy going for you. They don't know when the trick is ending. Right. right. So even if you like mess up the proper end of it, you can like try and do a comeback end. You can say that that could have been that would have been cool. That's a yeah, right. classic line. Yeah. It's like you know you don't get the card. Oh, but look, it's in my pocket. Right. Right. You know, so you so you can rescue the gig. So magic, exactly. you can usually always get off stage. Well, it's true, and they don't know what's supposed to happen. They don't right. know what you intended to do originally. But so. I've done plenty of shows where it's just been. I mean, I did this wedding once where I turned up, and this was a piff, right? This was a piff, and I turned up. And the guy who booked me was so excited. He was overexcited. And I was like hanging out with the band before them. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Thank you so much you're, you're here. I'm so I'm so grateful you're here. you got to see this guy. He was saying to the band, you got to see this guy. He walks up on stage and he's like, good evening. My name is Puff the Magic Dragon. You might know that. Wait, that's not right. Hang on. <laughs> you got to see this guy. Right? He walks up on stage. He goes, good evening. My name is Steve. You might have. No, that's not right either. But, and he just was like ruining my act in front of these because he was so happy I was there. Right. So then um, I'm about to go up and they say to me, oh, by the way, only half of the wedding is still here. I said, really? They said, yeah, there was a big fight at 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The police were called and uh, half of the guests had to leave. And I'm like, okay. And they say, so don't be alarmed if you see some blood on shirts. What? Uh, that's just what that's from. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so I go out and in magic, when you get booked for these things, you have to do the time. You know, that's how you get paid. Mm-hmm. If you don't, like if they say we want you to do an hour, and you do 45 minutes, maybe you're not getting paid that day. Right. So that's the only thing, imagine. You always have to do the time. So I was like, okay. They have a Toastmaster. Do you know what a Toastmaster is? No, I've never heard of that. Uh, look yeah, it up. There's a guy in red. He's got a red suit. And he conducts this, the like uh, wedding. So like conduct like the order of the day. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. So you're like, please welcome the groom. Stand up for the toasts. Here come, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Here's the best man, all that sort of stuff. And they're uh, usually sort of very um, well-spoken, um, you know, they kind of give this air of being better than everyone else in the room. <laughs> right. So I'm waiting to go on. And I look at him and I say, so how are they out there? How's it going? And he looks at me, he looks at me up and down and he says, well, they don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, oh God. Oh, this is going to be bad. So I walk right out when you go on. and they oh. stop the disco that everyone's doing. They are having this dance. Everyone's dancing. They stop that. I'm like, never a good thing. <laughs> and they announce it. And they say, please welcome Piff the Magic Dragon. And I walk on and the disco lights are still going. There's like no backing music. It's just a <laughs> microphone. And I do an hour in silence. Oh, no. To like half a room, most of which are covered in blood. <laughs> getting angrier and angrier by the moment. You know, and I just bump. I absolutely oh, no. bump for an yeah. hour. And I, and I finish and... Um, I go to see the guy who, remember him? Who sure. loved me so much. Sure. I was his hero. He couldn't look me in the eyes. Oh, no. And he was just counting down the money into my head. <laughs> <laughs> just counting it down. I was like, I'm sorry, buddy. I, re- I tried my best. I did everything well, I could. Was this it after AGT? No, it was after Penn and Teller Fallus. Got it. Well, at least now it makes for a fun story to tell after the fact. No, because I have to relive it. <laughs> I still no. feel the pain. But in answer to your question, so what yeah, happened was yes. I was doing Piff. And I spent a year like doing like small 10 minute, 15 minute spots. Then I, w- I went to Edinburgh Fringe for the first time, did an hour long show, got Mr. Piffles. And from that, I got a gig um, in a show called An Evening of Burlesque, which was about 12 burlesque dancers interrupted by a hula hooper, not me, and a magic dragon. That was me, spoiler alert. Right. And we toured all over the country and we did like probably did like 150 gigs in a year or something and so i suddenly learned how to like play these theaters all over the uk and like perform for these big crowds and i always thought that my act would be like a niche act you know like you know like you have like uh these 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 kind of like niche comedians sure mm-hmm. uh they've got these like really like long... prop comedians things like that no yeah. not even that no just like uh, a comic who um I don't want to name any names in case I offend anyone, but it's like, they're not for everyone. Oh, now the dragon's afraid of offending people. (laughs) Yeah, on recorded media. (laughs) Because here's the thing about the internet, it's live and forever. Dragons don't do well with lawsuits. (laughs) We have enough of them backed up. I don't want to add to them (laughs) by this. But you know comedians, and it's like, they're like, uh, you know, they're not for everyone. Right, very specific, yeah. Exactly. So I always thought it was going to be like that. 
And then I did these gigs and they're like, you know, you would say middle America, but we, we would say like, you know, the kind of like general population. And that was just crushing. Mm-hmm. I was just like crushing these gigs. And I was like, hey, maybe this has got a bigger appeal than I thought. So then I get asked to do Pan and Teller Flawless. And they'd shot the pilot and they'd aired the pilot and it had gone well. But I didn't get on the pilot. So they said, can you come and do this, the full series? Can you do, be, in, be in one of the episodes? So for what, I can't remember why I thought this. But I decided that unless I could do everything I wanted to, I was going to say no. And I think it's because in the email, they were like, what tricks do you want to do? And they wanted me to do like a trick where I levitate piffles, mm-hmm. which was a funny trick. But it wasn't like, not going to fool anyone. And right. it's also like, it's like becomes that thing of like, oh, you're a comedy magician. The magic's not very good. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to do this trick that I came up with when I was a kid that like magicians like. I was like, so I just had this stupid attitude of like, I'm going to go into this meeting. I'm going to say, unless I do everything I want, I'm not doing your show. So they said, so they said, what are you thinking about doing? And I said, this, this, this. And they said, well, can you do th- something else instead and I said no unless I could do everything I want I'm out and they went okay do whatever you want and I was like what <laughs> yeah that's like, rare I'm sorry TV, what yeah. what just happened yeah, yeah yeah and they went yeah just do whatever we don't we don't care we, we're too busy you just do whatever you want and uh I was like, okay and so they have you know just like AGT or these reality shows they have a package that they roll before where they do all these like shots about you and your life and everyone was doing them about, oh, you know, this is me, my family, my kids, and, you know, my house. And I didn't have any of that. All I had was a stupid dog <laughs> that I didn't really know how to look after right. and a dragon outfit. So I just was like, let's just do it like I'm a real dragon in London. So we we like had all this fun like making this um, package, and then we did the show. And I thought, I thought it's difficult when you're um, being sarcastic or playing like you don't want to be there. It's difficult to be judged, you know, because because as soon as someone starts judging you, then you have to care, mm-hmm. and that kind of like ruins the whole act. Right. So I was like, I just eat my way through it. So uh, I go on. I walk into this studio, which is just like these theaters that I've been playing. So I don't really think twice about it, and I do this trick that I've done like a, a billion times before, and I get to the end, and Penn and Teller are talking, and I'm like, whatever. So I'm just like eating a banana. And they're like this laughing and joking, and um, you know, I like the the host is really good a guy called Jonathan Ross, mm-hmm. who's a very good uh, TV host. So I'm like, he's like working with me to like make it funny, and um, I don't fool them. And so my reason to be there was to fool them. So I was like, okay, well, thanks very much, good night. And I walked off, and I was like, oh man, I was like really bummed that I didn't fool them. And my brother, who was watching it, he was like, that's the best thing you've ever done. And I was like, oh, whatever. And um, for six months, because it just sat in the can for six months. And I was just like, oh, wow, that was a shame. I was really bummed out about it. And it aired on a Saturday night at eight o'clock and just changed my life. That's incredible. Instantly. Instantly. What happened? My phone, I was, I was you know, sat with my friends. My phone, like the emails just went zoom, 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 zoom. It blew up. I couldn't use my phone for like hours. Because all my details were on my website, right. like an idiot. Because I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not famous. Well, sure. I just put everything on my website. Sure. As you do. And uh, I got an agent from it who, like, uh, you know, really, like, guided me in my early career and like, really helped me, me a lot. Suddenly, I could sell tickets under my own name. Because before, I was just doing other people's shows. Where suddenly, it was like, oh, Piff the Magic Dragon's doing a show. Bang, you can sell tickets. When did you get on for the Flamingo show? That, well, that, so then... I spent like a year and a half riding off the back of Penn and Teller. And I was touring all over the place. I toured all over the UK and Australia. And I loved touring Australia. Are you able to share how much money you were charging for shows back then? Um, Nothing like... Nothing crazy? Nothing crazy because it's still like, you know, like there's a lot of comedians and, you know, there's still like... But I was making like a good living for once. Yeah. I think I was probably in six figures by then. Okay. Uh, the UK, which was... You know, per, per year or per show? Per hour. Per no, hour. Per, no, per year. <laughs> per year. Second, actually. In the yeah. world of social media, that might be believable sometimes. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And that's the weird thing. I never got into this thing for the money. So I'm always right. like, you know, I'm like hopeless of that stuff. So I'm always like, if I'm doing 
you know what I love doing, then I'm winning. Yeah. So, but you're right. I started making a good living on this on this thing, and um, I go to Australia, and this guy, we get this email from this guy. He's like, "Hey, do you want to be in a Vegas show?" And I was like, "Let me look at my calendar." Yes. <laughs> no, but I wasn't like that at all. No, I was like, no, I, I, this is this is a tangent, but I'll tell it anyway. I was going out with this great girl for years, and uh, she was from a very wealthy family, and her parents, rightly, were very suspicious of any, you know, any whoever she was with. And when it became apparent that we were going to stay together for a bit, uh, I kind of got, I'd had enough of like her parents like not liking me, so I went out for lunch with her mum one day, and I said, look. You know, you and me and your daughter, we're probably going to be together for a bit. So it'd be really helpful if we could get on. How can I help? What can I do to make that work? And she looked at me and she said, here's the thing. We think that you're great at what you do. And you're going to get more and more successful. You're going to blow up. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a show in Las Vegas. You're going to you're gonna leave England, live in America, and you're going to break our daughter's heart. What? And I said to them, if I can promise you one thing... <laughs> I will never have a show in Las Vegas. You mark my words. Write this down. On this day in history, I, Piff the Magic Dragon, am proclaiming. Is this a true story or is this a bit? This is a true. This is a true story. Absolutely true. What? And I never, ever, ever thought I would have a show in Las Vegas. You know, because I'm just like, I've always seen like the magician, like the Copperfield, Siegfried and Roy, Lance Burton. You know, Short Pale and Teller were the exception. You know, but like all the other magicians had tigers and big illusions, and I never was never into that. That's incredible. So I get this email: "Do you want to be in a show in Las Vegas?" I'm like, "No," <laughs> but um, the money was really good, and in the UK, I'd kind of like I've been like doing stuff for a, a bit, and I was like, "I'm not really sure where this goes in the UK because magicians don't really They're not quite as big, They're not quite as big. The UK is like cynical with that stuff. You have like Dynamo and maybe right." Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess the mentalist, uh, Darren, Darren Brown, Darren Brown. Yeah, yeah. And it's and hadn't really been like any comedy magicians since like Paul Daniels or Tommy Cooper. So right. I was a bit like, I'm not really sure where this goes in the UK. So I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to it. I'm going to go and like explore it. So anyway, the guy came to see me in Australia, and was like, "Yep, yeah, we definitely want you in the show." Then he met with my agent in New York, and she was like, "Oh no, they really want you in the show." And I was like. Really? So I go over to Vegas and I'm doing like these workshops about the show and oh, they really want me here. So I was like, okay, let's just do it. Let's see what happens. So I say yes, sign a 10-year contract to be in this show in Las Vegas, move everything, break up with that girl. Okay. <laughs> Her parents are right. You were right. <laughs> All right? You win. You were right. She had prophesized. 1-0. <laughs> um, and it was a 10-year contract. 10-year contract. Hold on, but did you ever get back to her ever in your life after that? Oh, we're still like, friends. You're yeah. still friends. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, that's no, cool. she's she's a really good girl. So yeah, we're, fr- we're friends. Um, and so so I, so I moved, and I arrive. I'm doing this show, and sometimes you just know things are not going to work for whatever it is. Nobody's full. Sure. No, you know it's not like oh somebody's doing a bad job. You just look at the numbers. And you look at what's happening. Oh, this is bad. You look at what's going on and you're like, yeah, this is not, it's not going to last, guys. Right. Uh, so, uh, and I knew that day one. I walked into the room. I was like, oh, yeah, this is not going to last. The stage show. The, the, the reason I'd moved to Vegas. Yeah. So I did a couple of things. First of all, I started applying for a green card. Because I was like, I just moved my life here. Might as uh, well, yeah. I think, you know, I need to stay. And second of all, I like started this, this show called um, breakfast at Epiphanies, which was in this it was this show that I was in there was like three parts to it there was an 8pm show a 10pm show and a midnight show and I was in the 8 and the 10 and I said hey rather than having me in the midnight show let me do my own thing in a, in the private bar that you guys run and I'll do that from midnight to 1am they were like do what you want mm-hmm. a lot of people rather than having to argue with me they just go you know what just do what you want we don't <laughs> our life's too short to argue sure so um, I did this like, hour-long show. So like, and people started coming to it. You know, like um, I remember Brad Garrett, who's this fu- incredibly funny comedian in Vegas. He came. He like uh, just was there for the for the press launch of it. Carrot Top, Shania Twain, Copperfield Chain, Penn and Teller, 
All these people came. That's incredible. Well, actually, Breakfast Epiphanies. That's something I'd love to talk about with you too, because I think one of the most exciting things about Vegas is the Vegas community. Yeah. All the people you meet. Like, for instance, you had a great story about Shania Twain going to oh, her no. show. <laughs> oh, no. And I try not I to tell the these things. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Shania came to Breakfast Epiphanies and. Um, and also, like, she came to the main show where I, I that's where I, like, got that uh, shooting the dog out of the cannon trick. Mm-hmm. I would do that every night and people were furious. <laughs> people would, like, walk out of that show all the time and be like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but but people either loved or hated it. Right. Did some people just believe that was real? Some people believed it was oh, real. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a very polarizing trick. Because I used to, like, shoot him out of a cannon and then he'd be dead. Oh. And then uh, there'd be, earlier in the show, we'd be, we'd given, like, a box to somebody in the audience so i'd be like hey can you throw me that present back and they throw me it and i'd rip it open and piffles would be in the box Aww. and i'd be like don't worry guys i got a new one it reminds me of the the penn and teller they had that routine where they do the song in half but yeah. they just you know there's they the blood and dead. the guts and they just leave the two sides and one goes off stage left and the other stage right yep. it's, that's it that's yeah. cool so um so shania came and and she said hey uh Thanks for letting us come to your show, uh, come to come to ours, or maybe like Fred. Fred did her husband, um, and I was like, yeah, great. So he was like, this is um, they had like a security guy. This is Pete. He's gonna set everything up. So Pete calls me the other show, and he's like, um, you guys squared away. You need anything? And I said, no, we're good. And he said, oh, you coming in the costume? And I was like, ha ha ha. And then I said, is that a request? Just joking. And he went, hmm, let me ask. I went, don't, don't, why would you ask? Why would you, <laughs> sure. why would you do that? So then he, he, he asked Shania, and she's like, yeah, get him to come in the costume. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and Pete was like, I bring the dog. I was like, oh, God. So we go, and she's at the Coliseum at the time. Yeah, I remember that. So we go there, and I'm just sitting. And, and whenever you have comp tickets from a performer, usually, don't expect this from me, but usually they're in the prime seats because they're called producer holds. So they're like, you know, center stage, cent- center middle, best best way to see the show. It's ex- exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. In a, I'm in my dragon outfit with a dog, for no reason. <laughs> Nobody knows who I am, because you know, Penn and Teller was in the UK, not America. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show starts and it's really good and everyone's enjoying it, and then in the middle of the show, Shania says, "Oh, I've got a special guest in tonight," and I'm like. Couldn't be me. No, she isn't. <laughs> no, she isn't. She goes, it's Piff the Mighty Dragon. I'm like, oh my God. So I like get up and I like go on stage and I um, do a sing-along with her. I can't sing to save my life. A sing-along? Yeah. I'm sitting around the little campfire singing songs with Shania Twain. One I of she'd the have best do some tricks or... memories of my life. That Who needs tr- to see tricks? That's <laughs> true. You know? So we did this. I go back to my seat and then... Um, a horse comes on stage. A horse. A proper horse. Okay. Comes on stage and Mr. Pibbles starts losing it. Oh, no. Starts like barking and going crazy. I have to smuggle him out. <laughs> we see Shania afterwards. Like, we have a great time. And then I have a Google alert on my name. And I don't believe any performer who says they don't. <laughs> so I have a Google alert, right? Next day, ping, this thing pops up. It's TripAdvisor. Shania Twain, one star. I'm like, what? Why am I involved in this? And I read it, and it's like, love the show. Shania was incredible. Everything about the show was wonderful. The production was incredible. But then they brought this stupid English <laughs> dragon on stage <laughs> who ruined the night for me. <laughs> You'll probably see him coming up on one of these talent shows. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that seems... Jeez. Yeah. She yeah. lost four stars for that? Overly harsh. And then, and then uh, this show, you know, my show goes down in flames in, in, in Vegas. So I'm out of a job. Over that review? No. No. And then I think back to that review. <laughs> and I think, maybe I should go on one of these talent shows. <laughs> maybe they have a point. No way. Yeah. The AGT was sparked over a yeah. Yelp review. I wrote a somebody somebody hating on Shania. Via, you know, sure. hating on me via yeah. Shania. Yeah. Through Shania. Right. So I'm like, maybe has a point. So I applied to America's Got Talent. They have these auditions in Vegas, which are producer auditions. So I'm like, great, I'll go to the producer auditions. So you're not on TV, you're not in front of the cameras, you, you don't meet, you know, whoever the judges are. 
no Heidi Klum for you yet. Sure. So I go to this audition and I do the trick that I would do, which is like a trick that I, I, uh, a card would end up in some dog food. And that was like the trick I'd done, like my main 10, 15 minute spot that I'd done for the past like four or five years. I'd done it like probably 2000 times. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to do. And I could do it like close up at the desk or I could do it on the stage. I said, which, you know, do you have a preference? They were like, I'll do it on the stage. And I left and immediately um, I get a call from a friend of mine saying, oh, they want you. They want you to do the show. And I said, great. And then time passes. And I start thinking, these talent shows, they have a reputation for like screwing people over and like putting people on as like joke acts, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe that's what they're going to do to me. So I start getting in my head about it. And the closer it gets to it, the more I'm like, this is a bad idea, guys. I need to get out of this. So I say to them, hey, you know what, guys? Thanks so much, but no thanks for me. Thank you. I appreciate your time, but I'm not going to do it. Right. And they sort of go, oh, that's a shame, but would you do it? And I'm like, oh, sorry. See previous email. Uh, <laughs> no, don't want to do it. Right. And the closer it got to the... um to their auditions, you know, to the last of the auditions, the more intense these emails got. And it got to the point when um, they are emailing me, like calling me, and the producer is calling me, and everyone's calling me, come and do it, come and do it, come and do it. And uh, I, st- I had nothing on the horizon. The only thing I had was I had one gig in London where I had to pretend to be a like fancy Las Vegas magician. I'm like, why can't I just be me? Why can't I be Piff the Magic Dragon? I'm literally a Vegas magician. Yeah. They're like, no, you have to be this other character. And I was like, I don't think that's going to go very well. Spoiler alert, it didn't. <laughs> I like bombed. And this was already after Penn and Teller Fool Us. You yeah, had yeah, already yeah. established wow. yourself as Piff, Exactly. As Piff so now this is like, that was like the, but now this is like, you know, yeah. things are going down in flames. And the other thing I had was a gig in Australia, which paid barely any money, but it was better paid than not working. So that's all I had. So this uh, producer from America's Got Talent called me and she changed my life. She was like, hey, listen, what's your problem? And I was like, well, I don't want to do it because like, your contract's so bad. She's like, don't sign anything. I said, well, I don't want to do it because like, um, you know, like it might, I might end up looking stupid. She's like, if you don't like how it goes, we're going to burn the footage. And she's like, and I'm, then I'm like, then I'm like moving on to practical considerations. I'm like, well, I've got to go to London afterwards. And so I, so um, I, I'm going to London. I've got to go to London. She's like, we'll fly you to New York and then we'll fly you to London first class. Wow. And I'm like, but I can't, I can't bring my dog. She was like, why don't you do the thing you did on Penn and Teller? So I'm like, well, I, I've got no more reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I really got to this point of like, there's no reason to not just do this. So... I said, all right, all right, you win. I'll come and do it. She's like, great, you need to be on a plane in two hours. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, and this is getting real. Wow. Now, so, at that point, had you already done a lot of prep as far as what you planned to do for different rounds of the I show? Then nothing. <laughs> I did <done> nothing. <laughs> um, I think that's maybe a lie, actually. Maybe I had done some prep, and what I'd done is I'd written out the question. That, yeah, that's true. I'd written out the questions I thought they were going to ask me and funny responses. mm you know, because I knew that they were going to say, so what are you supposed to be? And, you know, all this, all this. so I had a bunch of funny responses. And then I said, I don't want to do any more because preparation is everything in, ma- <laughs> in magic and television. Always prepare, even if you're not going to do the gig. Mm. So um, so I had done a bit of that. So when it was like, OK, you got two hours. But because she said I could do the thing from Penn and Teller, I was like, oh, I, I know where all that is. I can just do that. So I got on a plane, didn't sleep got a red eye, woke up, you know, didn't wake up, like landed in New York. Like I was super tired. I go to the hotel. I can't check in because it's too early. And just sit in the lobby going, what have I done? And then they're like, okay, you're up. Oh, and I go on the stage and it's like sleep deprived days. And Nick Cannon, who I don't know, don't know who Nick Cannon is because I don't watch TV and I'm English. <laughs> so he's talking to me and he's like, why are you so grumpy? And I'm like, who are you and why are you so grumpy so we're both like out grumping each other backstage which um, is kind of so perfect for you if you think about it yeah arriving oh okay. oh 
Yeah. Wow, that is the first time that's happened. Dang. You need better Whoa. suction cups. No, they they've never done this, this is the first that's time. That's really never happened. <laughs> Holy crap. These are some industrial suction cups. Good thing we had the bungee cords. <laughs> first episode we did not have the bungee cords. Oh, Thought really? It would be wise to add <laughs> yeah. some bungee cords. For, for a moment like this. <laughs> that would have been bad. For a yeah. moment yeah. like this. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, all right. So Nick Cannon's so, grumpy. Anyway, ah, so you both were grumpy, which was kind of perfect for you being Tiff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. Because if you think about the ideal conditions for you to go on and do your act, I feel like there's an argument to be made for, let's make him really jet-lagged, tired, <laughs> <agree>. hungry, <laughs> and We want to get the best out of Piff the Magic Authentic, Dragon. Yeah. So we're going to take everything from him. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to really get the best. You're Piss a, off the dragon. You know, he doesn't have yeah. to pretend to be grumpy. You're a dragon whisperer, Jen. <laughs> Who knew? You had it. But that's it. So it's method acting, right? Exactly. Like, you just, where's the food gone? Did you? That's on this podcast. I specifically said, I'd like a three-course meal. And you were like, you're not having it. Eat it. Yep. Unacceptable. Yeah. Trying to maximize you stuck the me grumpiness. in a tiny room. Perfect. This is, this is exactly yeah. how you get the best out of Piff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> we do our best. Take away the dog. Because they didn't have the dog in America. has got talent either. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so, so I walk on and they say something to me. And I think I answered it a bit too sarcastically. And there's just silence in the room. And I'm like, oh dear, I better like get in the game. So then they, I think Mel B asked me another question or something. You know, they like, asked all these questions. And I started like doing jokes back to them. And they were, they started to laugh. Like everyone in the room started to laugh pretty quickly. And again, it's like, when you, for me, I don't know about you guys, but when you're, when you've done a routine a lot, you just get into the flow of it and you don't really like stay aware of what's happening. Right. And how, you know, how you're on a track. Going. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're doing a thing yeah. and then it's over. So I did it and I walked off and I'm just like, I'm pretty sure they all just stood up at the end. Wait, this is round one. Round one. So I just come off and I'm like, I think everyone was on their feet. I think, I think that might have gone really well. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing all the, all like, cause this producer said to me, do everything on AG. You did on Penn and Teller, eat the banana, do everything. So, um, I got on a plane to London, did this awful gig, crashed and burned. Then I went to Australia for uh, four or five weeks, was like making nothing like, and I was, I was smoking at the time. Mm. And like, this is how poor I was. I couldn't afford cigarettes because cigarettes were like $30 a, a packet in America, in Australia. So I like, I was like either choosing between like cigarettes or food. And I was like, oh, oh no. I'll get like one sandwich today. And that be, it was a nightmare for this whole month. And so I come back and I think I went back to Vegas for a little bit and then had to fly back to New York to do the second round of AGT nothing's aired so i don't know whether this is going to be good or bad but right. i think i'm like well they can't make anything bad out of what happened because it was Cause it was good yeah it was good right. yeah people were standing up so and we're still arguing with them because i'm stupid i'm still arguing because i still think that they want to like make this show where they um like a comedic relief yeah and like, they want to like yeah. you know make me look bad or whatever and you know having done that show i realized soon after that that all they cared about was getting another season of their hundred million dollar a year show right and therefore they wanted everyone to look as good as they could so all they want to do is help if you want to get in the way of that then that's up to you right <laughs> but all they want to do is help all they want to do is make it look good so um so they uh they they said to me hey can you bring a change of clothes to the next audition because we want to get some stuff with you um, you know, is like your a regular human. self. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> and again, like they're super busy; they got all this stuff to do. So like they're taking guesses as to what may or may not work. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm just gonna, just gonna come in my outfit. And they went, yeah, but can you bring some clothes? And I was like, no. And they said, yeah, but can you? And I was like, I'll see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I go down to the um, to the lobby the next day, and the producer who's like working with me, she's like, do you have any clothes? I'm like, nope. She's like, what are you wearing under that? I'm like, nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> she, and she just rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, all right, you do you. Was if that you, true though? Yeah. It was. Yeah. I just okay. said like, I had like pants on. That was it. Uh, sure. Or what do you call them? Um, underpants. Sure. Yeah. Underwear. Underpants. Right. Yeah. Underwear. So uh, we go to do, I go to do this thing. 
And Neil Patrick Harris yep. is the... Loves uh, magic. Loves magic. Yeah. Is a judge. But Neil Patrick Harris came to a gig that I did. And Ooh. I heard that he hated my act. Oh, no. Somebody had told me that he hated it. And I was like, uh-oh. And Howard Stern is there and Howard like walks into this room where all the contestants are. And he's like, oh, hey, Piff, how you doing? And I'm like, hi, Howard. <laughs> Just like, hi, hi, Howard. <laughs> and now everyone in the room is like, oh, screw that guy. <laughs> right. So Howard introduces Neil. And I'm like, don't make eye contact because he hates you. And Neil's like very serious. It's like, this is, I want to see you guys raise your game and like nail it and crush it and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go down in flames. This is where it all ends. <laughs> so I go out and I was like, 14th on that day and the audience is dead because they've had no break they've just watched They're exhausted yeah 14th and everything's slower in tv filming it is it always looks quick on on the actual show it's always slow so the audience is dead so i go out and i do this dog food trick that i've done like whatever, two thousand times and i'm going this isn't going great like i've this is like okay i'm not bombing but it's like not going as well as it normally does right and i finished the act and now i'm eating a sandwich because i'm like whatever happens i can't let them judge me so you know and they're all saying like all this like, nice stuff and then neil patrick harris starts talking and he's like blah 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 i loved it blah 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 this blah blah oh my god it was amazing and then he's like blah blah, blah golden buzzer and i'm like what and then he goes oh. and hits that and at that moment i was like oh everything's gonna be fine that's incredible. That's wow. it. Everything's going to be fine moment. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because like no one knew who I was in America. And I just knew that now people would know know who I am. And they would come they would come and see a show. And so then it was just like hanging in there until I shot Mr. Pivels out of a cannon, went down in flames, and landed my own show in Las Vegas. That's incredible. And speaking of, I know you have to do a show pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, this is it's actually one of my favorite magic shows ever that I've ever seen. It is a yeah. great show. It's a gen- I just I'm just mindful. I'm just mindful of your time because it's I know. It's, What's the time? It's five o'clock. Uh, we got. I reckon we got 15, 15 minutes. Oh left. no! Heck yeah! I got a lot. I got <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Heck oh, yeah. we're loving this. All right. So All right. golden yeah. buzzer happens. Yeah. Neil Patrick yeah. Harris is like, you're in third yeah. round. What happens? Well, then, um they uh, handed the reins over to me. And I was like, I've got a good idea, guys. Uh, I've got this trick called dog or no dog. Four boxes, all look the same. You have to decide whether there's a dog in it or no dog. And if, it, if there's no dog, we crush the box. <laughs> and we like, you know, beat it with a baseball bat and right. throw it in a wood chopper. And I thought it'd be great because Harry Mandel was on Deal or No Deal. Yep. So Love that show, yeah. I can get him and we'll do all his themes as Deal or No Deal. And they were like, mm, good idea, but uh, how we did, we did a deal or no deal act with one of the contestants before, so we don't want to do that again. So can you change it? And I was like, oh, maybe I could do the same trick, but I'll do it like Game of Thrones. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Because when I'm doing it like deal or no deal, it's like a game show. No one's taking it seriously. Mm. And also we made the magic a lot better than it was in the UK. So it really looked like Piffles was in a box. So I do this trick and, uh, you know, how he like guesses a box and Piffles like survives and he's out of the box. And um, the judge, Heidi was like, why would you put a dog in a box? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? This is it. Clearly. <laughs> but I should have known because in the rehearsals, we were like, you know, we were like throwing boxes to each other and kicking them around stage and like working out where they should go and like, you know, being really careless with the boxes. And then we'd like open one of the boxes and take Piffles out. And no one, everyone stopped talking to me because they mm. thought Piffles was in a box. Right. And I was like, oh, yikes. So then, so then like I took a bit of a like downward trajectory after that. But then I came back in the semifinals when I did like this, like I did like four, four or five tr- tricks in one and uh, like made it made a bunch of jokes about the last round so then I was like back on top and then in the finals I shot people's out by cannon round the f- semi-finals yeah you lose at that point right no I lose in the finals you lose in the finals yeah, yeah. okay at what point are they like you've got a show in Vegas the next day the next because, day because oh I left out a big thing yeah because um, when I was in 
you know, I was living in Vegas and I got a call in March, I think, of that year, 2015, and they, uh, from these producers who said, we saw you in, in, in the show I was first in at the Cosmopolitan. We love you. We're doing a, a, a mixed bill comedy show. Would you be one of the acts in it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yes, money. And um, they did a little trial out in March and it got, it got greenlit. So I think in June or July or something of that year, I was like one of the acts in one of five acts. And then AGT came out and suddenly the show got really busy and mm. everyone, and it, I, I originally was opening that show and I had to move to the end because people would just leave after I finished. Right. So it was obvious that there was like a demand for it. So I spoke to that producer the next day and said, Hey, let's do a, you know, why don't you do a, why don't we do a piff show? Cause I couldn't be in that show anymore. Cause I was going to go and tour on the you weekends. You outgrew it. Yeah. Yeah. And also cause I, I would go and play comedy clubs, you know, for the first couple of years. And uh, I was like, why don't we do the piff show on Monday through Wednesday? And she was like, great. And she pitched it to the casino and they were like, yep, yeah, definitely. That's incredible. And um, I couldn't, I had to wait until I'd been on the AGT live show because the, you know, they have the winner and a couple of acts in the finals yes. do a show in Vegas. So they chose me for that. So I did that show. And then the next, I think the next week we opened the Vegas show. How many people are, how many seats are in your theater? Well, that one was 200. And now we did that for five years. And then um, was pandemic. Yep. So we couldn't work for, t for, we were dark for six months. And then we were the first show back on the Vegas Strip, first headliner back on the Vegas Strip. And we moved into the old Donnie Marie Theater. That's right. Which is, um, now it's called the Flamingo Showroom. So we do the 7 p.m. show and RuPaul has a show at uh, 9.30 p.m. And that's like 800 seats at one. That's incredible. Fun fact about that particular theater. So when I was 18 years old, yeah. I came out to Vegas to intern for Nathan Burton, who at the oh, time yeah. was performing he was there. in the Flamingo showroom. Yeah. yeah. And he did like so, an afternoon show, right? Yeah. yeah. He did an afternoon show. And I remember I was, as an intern, doing whatever the show needed I mm. would do, whether it was help out with things backstage or help out with more administrative things, emails. Well, it turned out one day there was a showgirl who wasn't able to make it, and there was talk of, might I be oh. able to fill in? And that ended up, long story short, turning into an adventure in which I filled in in one act of the show as a showgirl on stage, which I had never done before, and and since I have so much showgirl. respect, how many shows so did you much do? respect for what showgirls do. Oh, we did probably three weeks worth of Whoa. shows. That's not bad. Yeah, so it was fun. So when I think of the Flamingo showroom, yeah, brings back all kinds of fun showgirl yeah. memories. It's it's an amazing showroom it's as a well. Beautiful. Well, was beautiful the pandemic showroom. when you produced the reptile dysfunction? <laughs> reptile dysfunction. <laughs> reptile dysfunction. Uh, yeah. We fit it. We we. We we did a lot of like the post on it during okay. that time. So what was the it took process? ages to do that post? Oh my god! Uh, well, coming up with that special and yeah. deciding to put it out, what was that like? How did you first come? Because yeah, you with released the idea it for free, it? and you didn't. Everyone's putting their specials out on YouTube now. Right. It's like this new this new business model. So it's weird, yeah. So we put it out this this year. Uh, so it's a uh, YouTube.com/slash Piff the Magic Dragon. And um, half of it's set in our old theater with like the old set list that we used to do. Mm -hmm. So it's got like the mind reading goldfish and like tricks and Mr. Piffles and all the stuff that we David used Copperfish to do. or David Copperfish. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's got a bunch of stuff that we did on the streets as well. Yeah. And we would do like magic in because, because, you know, we're a Caesars show. The casino is owned by Caesars, who owns a lot of hotels. So we did like a trick on the high roller, a trick outside Caesars Palace. You know, we did like all this stuff on yeah. location. Yeah, no, it was so well produced, man. I know you released right. it like five months ago. Did you? Yeah. Do you? Did you see sort of like an ROI on the project? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's like great to put it out there. It's it's nice because when people come and see the show, it's all new now. Like mm. when we when we moved into the showroom, we just the big. This is like a big theater, so we had to make a much bigger show. Are you ever stressed as far as selling tickets every day, or or like how do you fill yeah, the everyone's, seats? Everyone's. I mean, that's like. Yeah, you know what? It's like this. It comes with the job. 
comes you know, I, I, I just thought about like as somebody who does YouTube, you know, every day, it's it's easy for me because if I get sick, th there's a way for me to deal with it because I'm right. at home. Right. But with you guys, like you have to show up. You can't just call 800 people and be like, sorry, guys, I got sick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Canceling. Like, yeah. There is that mentality of the show must go on. Right. You know, which yeah. I'm not sure I agree with. <laughs> have you canceled a, a show? I haven't. I've never canceled a show. Wow. Neither so, have I. Well, that's, that's incredible. Saying, on, I haven't canceled it. For a reason, for like well, one of my reasons. My manager did. <laughs> like once I got stuck on a plane. Okay. And like we thought it was, I was flying Jet Suite X. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I hate because every time I get on it, I, the CEO is always on it. Oh. And the CEO is like, hey, how do you like our airline? And I'm like, I thought I was going to be left alone on this one. <laughs> I thought your whole point is you leave people alone on Jet Suite X. <laughs> right. I don't have to do your surveys. So, but it just got stuck on the tarmac. And um, it was one of those things that was like, I had like four hours spare. And then I had three hours. And then I had two hours. But we still think I'm going to make it. So we didn't cancel. Then I had an hour. And then I'm in the air. And I'm like, okay, great. And then like when it landed, it just sat on the runway again. Mm. I was like, oh. So it was like eight o'clock and Jade had to go and say to the people. It was like sold out. She had to go and say to them. It's yeah. not happening, guys. Right. Yeah. Have you ever had people recognize you on the streets? without your costume yeah, all the time all the time yeah i thought it was the perfect disguise but unfortunately uh it's not well that's incredible yeah jeez i had a guy this guy came up to me at a gas station and he was asking for money and i was and i was about and i was like you know filling up the car and i was about to be like oh no i, I don't have anything i'm sorry which i don't think i did but um he was like wait are you piffed my dragon <laughs> And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, let me, let me see what I've got. <laughs> I'm like going through my car, trying to find anything sure. to give this guy. But yeah, I get, get recognized in weird places. Do you still do private gigs for people even now? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Could you yeah. share what your rate is? You want? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the I'm thing. It's like, the I'm so, I'm so like, yeah, I, I would love to know this kind of stuff, but I know it's very uh, top secret kind of yeah. info in the, in the entertainment world where like everyone has different rates and it's like, yeah, you have can't to call share. the agent for that. That's true. But yeah, but we, I mean, we have to cancel. Usually you have to cancel at least one show to do that, to do that. And sometimes it's more than one show. So it's, it's so expensive. It obviously has to be worth your while to cancel yeah. a whole show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's work backwards here. How much is <laughs> Yeah, right. Let's do the gross on 800 seats. So when you mentioned your special that you released on YouTube, was that the plan all along that you were going to put it out on YouTube? And what first inspired you to say, hey, I want to create a special? Um, you know, I wanted to like, I've been doing these tricks for a while. And I wanted to move on and do different tricks, but I wanted to get them, capture them and, and be able to remember what they were. Mm. <laughs> So, um, so we shot it all ourselves and then, um, and then, you know, we put it together and it's like, like I say, it's like, that's like the state of the market at the moment. It's like, everyone's turning to YouTube to do their own marketing. It well, used to be like networks would do that for you and not anymore. With the income you're making now, are you reinvesting a lot of it back into the show or yeah, buying always, new illusions? Always, yeah. You do? Yeah. Do you ever invest outside of the show, like into, I don't know, real estate or? Uh, I've started to more, but. Okay. You know, it's like the the thing that I'm good at is is making new magic tricks. That's sure. Like I remember speaking to Penn about that, and he was always like, "The biggest return you're going to get is from yourself, from your business." Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. Makes sense of reinvesting in yourself but, and your but show. But it takes a long time. Like we just had this, we just came up with this trick where uh, Mr. Piffles uh, pees any drink called for. Somebody always like Nate, like they whatever drink they want, like a Heineken or a um, Long Island iced tea. And Mr. Pibbles just pisses it into a cup. In front no of them. kidding. Yeah. And people drink it. And people drink it. <laughs> but that took like two or three years to develop. No, how, how did you come up with that one? <laughs> well, I thought a lot of the times I, I take like a trick and like see what else I could do with it. So there's a trick called the tea kettle. Yeah. Where you name a drink and you pour it out of the tea kettle, any drink. And I was like, that would be good. But instead of a tea kettle, what if you had a dog? And instead of a spout, yeah, you know, I think you get sure. the idea. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's in the show now. That's in the show, yeah. I want to also say the Jello was a highlight yeah. for me when I saw the show. I thought yeah. that was such a fun segment. Yeah, that took a while. We we get somebody's watch inside a 25-pound Jello every night. And uh, that was about two years and 70 grand of R&D or something. 
70 grand jeez yeah. do you still practice close-up at all or no, not as much as i need to not as much as you, need. you don't need to anymore oh no but i think i'm i got people hire me to do close-up gigs still really? i just did one in like um for like the prince of dubai or something no i did one for ibm okay just recently okay and so i just went around there to party and i just went around it was the same same as it's always been people coming to me saying what are you doing here <laughs> you know begging me to do magic tricks right. so it's still the right way around C- could i test your skills Oh, no. You ready? ready? Okay. What are we doing? I got got zero skills anymore. Oh, same. But so in Magic, there's this thing called the Charlier cut, which uh, is a one-handed cut. It's probably like the easiest thing to learn, and you can follow along and do this. It's It's not the easiest thing to learn. (laughs) Definitely not. That's incorrect. Maybe it was the easiest thing for you because you're a master. No. But it's not the easiest thing to learn. No, it's it's, Cardistry level 9,000. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, well now you're embarrassing me. All right, so so the Charlier cut. Let's let's see. One-handed if... cut. Well, I was gonna do like how many can we do in a minute? But... Yeah, right. Oh, and then gentle like dropping double handers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Why are you scaring our guests, Jen? <laughs> this hand doesn't. This this is this. Sam, we're just I trying to intimidate a... our dragon friend. I, I can't do a Charlier cut with uh, my right hand. Is there a thing you do like if someone comes up to you like, can you teach me a magic trick? Do you have like a go-to? No, I just say leave. Just, wait, just go away. away. Get out of my face. Yeah. Read a book. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Well, there goes that. It's actually feeling somewhat hot in here, even though the heat is not. Even though we turn the sauna off. Well, it is an incredibly small room that three of us are in. But on camera, you can't tell that it's a small room. It's, it every, is tiny. Everything looks bigger on yeah, 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 but it is tiny. No, I went to I went to London to do the Now You See Me movie, and I actually got to go to the Harry Potter set that they still oh, have yeah. there. Mm. And I saw the sets, and they were tiny. I was like, "This is insane!" Because on on actual like in the movies, you just see it, and you're like, "This is well, huge." I, I can never get over how small celebrities are in real life. Celebrities, yeah, yeah. that's true. Because you see them on these movie screens, you're right. and you're like, "Why are you so small?" A lot of them are you're shorter so than you think. You're yeah. such a tiny little celebrity. <laughs> Who's a little celebrity? Well, when you're a dragon, everyone is small. That's yeah, true. I've All done right, one. We're doing this? Here we go. All yeah. right, Dylan, time it. Two. Timer on the clock. Okay, I need a ready? head start. All right, should I start? Go, Jen. Go. Okay. okay I'm getting well, cramps sure in my hand already. How many do you, did you have? You counted? Two. Uh, nine. Three. Nine. Jeez. Let's see. I gotta go. Oh God. Look, my fingers are seizing up. I've got a show tonight, guys. You do. Perfect warm-up. This is not a warm-up. This is like <laughs> me peeking. This is what this is. <laughs> me peeking. <laughs> 20 seconds to go, or we've had... This does give you cramps. Yeah, I don't think my index right? finger is going to work again. I won't be able to point at anything tonight. <laughs> Pointing's out, guys. Have you ever lost yeah. your voice in a show? All the time. How do you deal? All the time. Well, I got this weird thing in my voice at the moment. So the you doctors do, yeah. are trying to fix it. Oh, what's wrong with your voice? I don't know. It's been like this for five months. Yeah. Why? It's like, it sounds a little hoarse. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. That's I don't know. It's the wrong animal. I've got all these uh, exercises to do, none of which are charleering in one hand. <laughs> it might be helpful. Would you like to demonstrate any of the exercises for us as we charleer? Oh. That was good. Your turn. There you go. You got it. There you go. Okay. Jen, your turn. Yeah, okay, you got it that time. Thank you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, Piff, thank you so much for coming on. You are. I feel incredible. like I let you down with that last segment. Us. No, you're you're amazing. You How many did you it. get? You absolutely. Uh, I didn't count. It. I lost track. But, but roughly, I, I didn't count. Just full five hundred. Yeah, I got five hundred one. So dang it. That's good. Seriously, go see Piff's show. It's yes, it's check one of it my out. favorites. It's and incredible. we're touring as well. Also, I want to say that. Piff is absolutely hilarious, which, of course, you know, as you've listened to the last however long we've been in this sauna. (laughs) If you haven't Uh, cracked a smile once during this whole thing, I'm not for you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is not appealing. Don't come to the show and think it's getting better. So (laughs) Piff is hilarious. We all know that Piff is hilarious. But I also want to say Piff is an excellent magician. And the magic community knows this. But I feel like the general public should be aware as well. Piff's magic skills are awesome. I got Jen Kramer's stamp of approval. It's true. true. But of course, he's also wonderfully hilarious. That's true. uh, And and in a nice Christmas-themed dragon suit, which actually, when you see this... It is Christmas-themed. No. No. Christmas Christmas is (laughs) dragon-themed. 
Oh, that's, that's all right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Ah. And we've got the nice kind of yellow, which sort of picks up on the. I, sauna I asked Piff if accent. he could sell his suit because I want one. I, yeah, no problem. I, I really want one. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> like We're the same size, <laughs> are we? Yeah, I think so. How tall are you? Oh, five, like seven. You're five seven? Yeah. Really? What are you like five nine? Well, I claim five six, but I'm definitely five five. <laughs> okay, I'm probably somewhere around there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it's the coolest like Halloween costume, and I, I want to go to your show dressed. It's as very Pip. comfortable, honestly. It just says a life choice. <laughs> it's a life choice. It's got twenty seven pockets. Does it? Yeah. Wow, is yeah. that right? Twenty seven yeah. pockets in I there. I can't see one. Yeah, that's well, incredibly practical. I know. I love things with pockets. It's yeah. so helpful to have this pockets. This is for you. Yeah. Well, guys. Wow, so you have suits, and if all else fails, we can always ask Piff's sister if she has another one hiding under her bed. I'm not Piff's sister. Suit. Yeah, why are you? Everybody, I'd like to introduce you to Piff's sister. <laughs> you know, it was my idea to give him the suit. I knew I recognized <laughs> you. It's the beard. Confused me for a minute. Well, the suit makes sense. Right. So, yeah, thank you, Piff, for coming on, and thank go, guys. go so check out his show. Us. It's incredible. Thank you. Guys, I really need air. I do too. All right, time for some air. Mm-hmm.